podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. Welcome back to the Axon Bulletin. It's Tuesday afternoon, it's double trouble. Just the two of us today. Hey, I'm your host, Dave McConvo, and as per usual, I'm joined by Patrick McGill. Patrick, how are we on this rainy wet Tuesday? Not bad. Uh, thankful for being able to do this inside instead of outside because the weather's absolutely shocking. But um, nope, looking forward to the game on Thursday. Yep, we are looking forward to the game on Thursday. Obviously, since we were last on, we've played in Germany and Europe. And we've had a victory against Aberdeen at Celtic Park. So we'll get into all of that. But um, we'll kick off with our tagline. Um, obviously, it's Dece- we're getting into December now. We're just the last day in November. And the transfer rumours are going to be ramped up majorly. We've already seen loads of players um, linked with Celtic so far. Probably due to the fact that the squad is so so threadbare. I think, you know, if you look at the bench uh, last Thursday evening and even on Sunday, there's not a lot to come off. It's still an even though what is there I don't think Celtic fans are particularly trusting of even though there is a £5 million striker on the bench I, you know, I still don't think Celtic fans are completely convinced that when you bring Albi Ayeti on into a game that he'll do the job for you so um, there's a lot of links and there's obviously a lot of links with uh, Ange Postecoglou's former league the G League um, we've saw one player come in from there in Kyogo Furuhashi who's an absolute superstar and he uh, Last night, I think it was the Daily Record that broke the news that Rio Hitate, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, if there's any Japanese listeners or anybody that knows the league well, please do correct me, um, could be set to join Celtic and possibly play before the December break and be in right away on the 1st of January. Um, and Postacoglu, people think that it would solve his defensive problems, Patrick. He's a versatile defender and would likely slip in at left back. This would surely, you know, be a deal that we will probably be happy with. Yep, absolutely delighted if it goes through. Um, I think he's he's the the man that can play half a season at defensive midfield and half a season at left back. And I think it's probably two areas where we've got absolutely loads of cover, but none of them seem to be trusted by Ange. You know, we've seen Beaton, Soro, and McCarthy in that role throughout the season, and I think Beaton's almost making it his own. Uh, unfortunately he went off injured of course but you know I think we've got like five left back options and we're still playing a right back at left back so <clears throat> wherever and chooses to play him when and if he comes in I think he'd be a welcome addition and I, I don't know what the rules are with the transfer window I think you said there he could come in as early as the 1st of January um, I, I don't, I don't know Paperwork, I think, is going to be the biggest sticking point for this yeah, year. And, stuff. and yeah. obviously, COVID is still an ever-changing situation. We're getting players into the country in isolation periods too. Plus, fitness-wise, he'll have played a full season by that point as well, you know. Um, but, you know, I think it would come too early for the game against uh, Rangers for the game at Celtic Park. So I think you're probably looking at Alloa in the Cup for a debut there, if he has to come in early. But, uh, no, looking forward to it, and hopefully he's the first of many January signings. Um, we've got some greetings coming in from Belfast on Paddy. Good afternoon. We've also got Robert. Morning. <coughs> Hello. Um, but as you just rightly pointed out, there, Patrick and Donnie's came in here to say that he, you know, he's played a full season. Um, that probably is a worry because we don't want burnouts when we get into you know March, April, May time. 
Obviously, we'll get two, three weeks off in, in January time, but like Kyogo, um, who doesn't seem to run out of energy at all again on Sunday, you know, he wasn't getting fed a lot of balls, but he was chasing down absolutely everything, which was forcing Aberdeen uh, into making uh, mistakes. But um, Hatati's out of contract. Um, you know, I think Celtic's transfer policy and strategy over the past, you know, many years has been one that we've all kind of looked at and thought, mm, it's a bit bizarre, but we certainly do have a manager in here. And it's clear that this is an Antipos to Coglu's signing rather than a Celtic signing, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Um, you know, the signings this season have been, I think they've been they've been relatively good. I think we've brought in 12 players and I don't think you could write any of them off so far. Um, you know, not all of them have, have played a lot of games, not all of them have um, played well, but it is still very early in all their careers. And, you know, guys like Kyogo, Jota, Abada and Joe Hart, you know, Carter Vickers as well, all came in and done a wonderful job. So um, it's been a bit scattergun in the past, especially with people like Ayeti and Barkas, as you spoke about. But hopefully it's getting better. I think we say that every year, but hopefully it's getting better. Um, I've seen that comment there saying that Hatate looks quite decent through all the YouTube clips. Uh, I abstain from that now totally because I convinced myself that Bio was going to five us to ten in a row. Uh, so I, I'll be honest, I've not seen any of Hatati, but if Andrew rates him, then you know, you've got to trust the process and just just roll with it. Yeah, and this is another really interesting point coming out here from Linky sixty seven and it was something that Ange spoke about in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, Patrick. He was saying that he wasn't just going to sign players to, to basically up the numbers and the team. He was going to want to bring people in that really fitted and suited the system. And obviously this boy, you know, if he's so versatile to play, you know, left-back, central midfield and on that left-hand side, then that's surely the type of player that really does suit an Ange Postacoglu's system. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm not, I'm sure everyone knows by now I'm no fan of pl- playing players out of position. But, you know, if he's a sort of Charlie Mogu type player, where he is genuinely quite comfortable in several different positions and definitely a welcome addition to the squad um, I think just looking at the stats from this season he has mainly played uh, central midfield and left back which is where I was getting that from but I mean if he's able to play left wing a bit like Adam Montgomery he's not played it recently but he can play there then you know just another added benefit and uh, yeah I think we're meant to be bringing in Maeda from Japan as well who's a winger or attacking midfielder so We'll hopefully have plenty of options in the second half of the season. Yeah, we hopefully do. And, you know, it's a market that I don't think a lot of uh, European teams are, are looking at. And I think that's one of the, the massive benefits that we've had from Ange coming into the club because, you know, Celtic, we're shopping in markets and, and we all knew about, you know, looking at Premier League players like a Yeti that wasn't really, you know, getting a turn. And then some other guys that have been brought in, obviously we had some really great dealings, bringing in some of the younger French guys that have went on to make us a pretty penny, but um, it's good that we're shopping in markets once again that, you know, people won't look at, but can benefit us in, in Kyogo. I think one of the things me and you spoke about, you know, when I and, and Edward went out the building was who are we going to have for, for those big on, you know, sell-on fees at one point, obviously, we don't want us to sell our best players, but we know that the model of Celtic is player trading, you know, it's essential, especially in the COVID world, it's essential. And bringing in guys like, like this, who are going to be further developed and coached by Ange, you're probably going to make a pretty penny off them because it's as if, at this point, there's still a kind of European snobbiness, which is one of the things that a lot of Celtic fans, a lot of people are just accused of when Ange got the job because we didn't know much about the G-League. But the standard player it's producing, I mean, if we get anything like Kyogo for the Hashi, they're, they're going to give us something that we just don't have in the team at this moment in time. Yeah, I think just about every football club in the world probably uh, is hindered by sort of geographical bias. They probably have more scouts closer to where they are in the world than what, you know, they maybe should have. And, you know, Europe has sort of creme de la creme for professional football, league football, you know, Bundesliga, Spanish league. But when it comes to scouting guys who are 16, 17, 18, they're there will be talented players all over the world so it is important as Ange said to cast a net far and wide um, I'm going to slightly disagree with you actually on selling players I think it's especially with people like Boyata Simunovic and Encham you know we could have netted 20 million for those three guys and mm. 
for the sake of holding on to them because we hadn't, you know, either we didn't have a player ready to come in or we didn't think we could replace him with similar quality. We chose not to sell him. Uh, we should have. Yeah, and all three of them went for nothing at the end of their contracts. Uh, I think we actually terminated uh, Cham's contract, but mm-hmm. you know we could have get just over twenty million for those three. I think if the the, the rumored fees were accurate, um, but no, I think uh, I read somewhere that we have a, a scout or two in Japan, and we'll have Angie's knowledge as well. But I think it is important we have a couple in every continent because um, you know Brexit as well will impact our ability to buy European players. So just need to look for the best value for money. Yeah, and again, it's trying to build a team. I think you know, a lot of for Gate 12 came in in the summer. It's a massive turnover. And then we're probably going to add a good few in and, and try to get that right balance and right mix of players coming into the squad and actually just integrating into the squad. And, you know, Johnny's come in in the comments to say just what we need players that want to play for Celtic now. Um, Atati is out of contract at the end of January and going by this, this newspaper article... He is wanting to come to Celtic to join his fellow countryman in Kyogo. Um, that that also shows a, a real hunger to to play under Ange because there must be other players in this league now having a look at Kyogo and thinking quite fancy a bit of that and you know maybe players that didn't know a lot about Celtic or know a lot about Scottish football certainly be looking at it and seeing the platform it's given, especially Kyogo's performances in the Europa League, which a lot more will take notice of than just the SPFL. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, even if it's a promising youngster who wants to make his way to Europe, he, he'll be looking at Celtic and thinking, this is literally the best possible route that I can take from Japan into one of the top five European leagues. Because, you know, managers and players have all done it, going to Celtic and then to England, Celtic, then, you know, Italy, Bundesliga. Um, so whether it's a, a player like Kyogo who's 26 in his prime and can slot straight into the team, or whether it's an 18-year-old who... It might take a year or two, <clears throat> and then we can move him on, and he can get his big move and stuff like that. But no, the, the comments absolutely right. Anyone who doesn't want to play for the club obviously shouldn't be at the club, and uh, I think that's the problem that we ran into last season actually with the the three or four players uh, who didn't want to be there. Uh, seriously hindered our, our title chances. Not only that, we didn't get as much money for them as what we should have done. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, two of those players that Sean's coming in the comments, and I'm going to throw this one over to you and I'll answer it as well. He is concerned that we might get rid of more players in January just through the financial situation. I assume I'm just everything else and not replacing them, just like we did with Christian Edward. We still didn't replace them. Uh, we need to add numbers. Now, I would say that Kyogo was quite a seamless transition, actually, the replacement for Edward. Obviously, we saw the two of them featured against the uh, Hearts in the League Cup. And um, they linked up pretty well. I think Kyogo actually played out in the wing and Edward up top. But I would say Kyogo's been quite a seamless transition. And obviously, we were watching Ryan Christie play under Ange at first. Jotis came in, you know, and is fitted like a glove. So I would say we've replaced those two fairly okay. As long as we go, obviously, go out and buy Jota, that'll be done. Do you get any concerns that the Celtic board would look at anybody and try and punt them in January? Or is it now the point that they know they need to give this guy? Uh, what he wants to succeed and that the gamble and get doing that is well worth it if you win the league this year? The gamble's definitely worth it. Um, I think we actually replaced Edward quicker than what everyone imagined because we started Edward up front at Ibrooks, played Kyogo at a position and I think the general consensus is if we played Kyogo through the middle, we'd have fared better. I'm not saying we would have won or drawn, but I think we'd have fared better because he definitely suits Angie's system a lot more. Uh, aye, independent uh, as of yesterday from uh, mm. the monarchy. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> this isn't a politics um, show. Uh, no, but it, it definitely does suit his system a lot more. And um, yeah, I, I'm also in agreement with you. And again, it's down to the manager. And I think, you know, Celtic Ports really get lucky in, in getting engine because had you noted somebody that was maybe looking at these markets, might have had Eddie Howe looking at Dominic Solanke and try to bring him up for eight or nine million quid. And I don't know how well that would have worked out for us. Disaster. Uh, I mean, looking back on that time, it's you're so delighted that that fell through. You know, unbelievable to say it, but what a miracle that was that 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 didn't transpire. But no, when it comes to selling players in January, you know, I think if we get an offer for like thirty, forty million for Kyogo, you have to take a 
a bid like that because even if you just spend 10, you're probably replacing them. But, you know, a bid like that isn't going to come in. But uh, you've just got to make sure you take take a bid like that when it, when it does come in. On Christie, actually, I was, you know, we all know about his horror season last season along with every other player. But I was quite disappointed when he left because I thought he was a crucial part of the system early in the season. But as you say, Jota's came in five and all cylinders and just hit the ground running and arguably our best player at the minute. Mm, he absolutely is. And he's, he's goal at the weekend will obviously get on to, to the Aberdeen game, but it's another cracking goal and um, crucial again last Thursday evening uh, too. But um, no, one of our listeners, usual listeners, um, coming in to say two Japanese boys in plus Doig. Now, I know you were a fan of Josh Doig, Patrick, Um I've not been too impressed on this season. At Hibs, I thought um, he's he's not been as consistent as he was last season. Um, and then a box to box midfielder, maybe a number ten, four or five. We can do it. Could you imagine as many bodies as that? And and do you think Celtic would look at Doig again, or do you think that ship has sailed for Celtic? Um, I mean, if you're going to sign the two Japanese boys plus Doig plus a, another box to box midfielder, you've got a hell of a lot of midfielders and left-backs there. I mean, you can never have enough, but I just don't think it's likely that we go for Maeda and Doig, if I'm being honest. Not Maeda, eh, Hatate and Doig. Um, I'll be honest, I've only seen Hibs when Celtic have played them this season. I thought against Celtic he fared okay, but eh, you know, I think you must have seen him more than I have, so I'm not entirely sure. What I will say is they are having a poorer season compared to last mm. season, so... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's probably quite difficult to judge a player. Um, I I am slightly biased in favour of Scottish players. I think I've I've realised that over the past couple of months, so... I don't know if I'm being totally honest in my judgment of Doig. Um, but, you know, as I said a minute ago, we do have quite a few left-backs. And I think Adam Montgomery's quite a promising young Scottish left-back as well. Not only that, Doig's just signed a six-year deal with Hibs. So how likely that is, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think we could do with a few more bodies depth-wise. I think you're probably looking at maybe right back and up front for the players also- coming off the bench. Mm. Yeah, um, again, we'll touch on Bayer Leverkusen and the, the whole debacle around the subs. I know some people have said that he should have made the subs, people have said he should have made the subs, and then we all know what was actually you know, there in the bench to actually make those substitutions. But Damien's come in here in the comments here. Good afternoon from West Belfast. Good afternoon, Damien, from both of us. Um, for the first time in years, I'm actually looking forward to a Jandy transfer window with optimism. Um, I would say I'm Looking quite forward to this January transfer window, Patrick. I mean, probably the last time we all get excited in a January transfer window was when Robbie Keane signed under Tony Mowbray all those years ago. Um, if you look at you know the past couple of years, I think it was John Joe Kenny as Malia Soro and Patrick Clamalla is what we've brought in. So you know, not much to be desired at this moment in time. But I think the whole language around you know rebuild, 
and everything else. We knew it was going to take a good couple of transfer windows to do it. We're probably well ahead of the curve where Celtic fans thought we would be at this point in time, sitting just the day before we head into December. We've got 10 games um, before the winter break and uh, nine games before the window actually opens. I would just assume that you're optimistic about this January transfer window and you just hope that you know the manager is given what he wants in this transfer window. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I think, that, I mean, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I think everyone suspects that the two Japanese guys, Maeda and Hatati, are sort of over the line. Uh, no one's Celtic, it'll probably take them until the, the last hour of the window to confirm the, the second of those signings. But um, if Robert, we can get those... Thinks that the, this market is right up our seat with the prices, and I would tend to think, <laughs> I think that they really do set our prices, price range, Aye. and we can trust Ange to, to sign the right players. Sorry if I interrupted. No, you. no problem. And listen, I'll take a 38 year old Iniesta any day of the week, by the way, uh, and pay five million from. Um, but no, if we can get those two Japanese players in, and then you know, who are, I've actually not heard that many rumours about other players, you know, you get the sort of the usual Kevin Nisbet and Aaron Hickey links people like those those guys but uh, I think if we brought on another attacking midfield player because once you go beneath Turnbull and Rodrick you know you've got you've got Ewan Henderson there but he just doesn't seem fancied at all and I think he's actually out on loan just now but it's it's quite bare when it comes to attacking midfielders so maybe another one of those but yeah I mean as the comment said I'm actually looking forward to a, a transfer window for once yeah, I am too. And, and Martin, just to, to touch on this, he's seen the comments, he's seen good afternoon to us both. And he'd just like to see the event of the Hydro last night with Larson sitting in Hearts. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I wasn't there myself. I know you went past it, but it looks as if everybody had a red old time. The King of Kings was back in town. Um, and there was a few decent enough players. And amongst them, we talked about attacking midfielders. I think Lubomir Maravchik and Alan Thompson was in there too. If we could get uh, two players like that in to do the business for us, I'm sure. We'd be well delighted if that was what came in. Um, but but going on that, um, we're talking about this and in terms of you know people are saying five six players maybe to come in, and you Sean saying that six players. Do you say that you know we've got enough time in those couple of weeks to you know let let those guys settle into Celtic because we've saw Kyogo, you know twenty six year old Japanese boy, who's came he's made a great effort. Obviously, I think he's learning English and stuff just now. He's fitted in with the manager absolutely perfectly. You can see he's got a really good bond with his teammates. Um, do you think the transition will be as seamless as that for some of the other guys? Or is there a wee worry that bringing in so many into a settled group could upset the apple cart just a wee bit? No, I, I think, you know, when we sign players, I think you, you, you've you got to look beyond the footballing ability. You know, you know, in 2013, you'd have probably taken a player of the ability of Mario Balotelli. But I think, as we've seen at Liverpool in 2014, when you sign a guy like Mario Balotelli, it really can upset the dressing room. Because, you know, I think the character has to be right. You know, he's got to be a consummate professional and he's got to understand that he needs to work hard and earn the jersey and stuff like that, you know. And um, I think, you know, Andrew will look at that, Michael Nicholson will look at that, the scouts will look at that. And I think they'll get it right. Um, obviously, don't want to bring in about 12 players again. I think that would upset uh, things. But I can't see us bringing in 12 players. I can't even see us bringing in six players, actually. I think you're probably looking at three or four. Because as you said, Angie's looking for quality that fit the system. Uh, and, you know, even if we get three and two of them being the two Japanese guys that we've already identified, I'd be quite happy with that. Yeah, um, another guy who probably would be like a new signing come that time is Chris Julian. Um, we feel as if we're on the peak here and it's deja vu weekly because we don't have any update on him. Um, as far as we know, Paul, I, I think he is in training, Patrick, but I don't think he's anywhere near it. The manager's not touched on him. The manager said that Rodrick should be back for Thursday evening. Beaton should be two. And that Starfield and Greg Taylor aren't far away, but absolutely no update on Chris Julian, who we're yet to see featured under Ange Postacogo. It's a bit mental, Patrick, to think that was nearly a year ago that he clattered into that post, and I've not seen him since after um, a whole COVID scandal that he caused when he probably shouldn't have been there as an injured player. But well, we I don't think he that. caused it. 
I don't think he caused it. No, I'm just saying that he was a, he was a man. Ah, he he was at the centre of not, things. I've yes. not seen him since. So, um, hopefully we we do get him back because I think he would be like a new signer in January. Past. I really do because we're just yeah. not seeing him featured. And at the weekend, um, and in the past couple of games, obviously Vickers is going to miss out in the, the Leverkusen game, and we're going to get Starfield to turn in. That means we'll we'll have probably you know the option of Starfield in Welsh. Centre half for the Leverkusen game, but games like this would be important to get Julian back in and try and maximise the squad because you know, I would say I've got confidence in Chris Julian to go in there and do a job. I wouldn't say he's a definite starter for me. I think when Staffelt comes back, it's going to be Staffelt and, and Vickers as he's you know, they're his players, but there's certainly a job that can still be done by Chris Julian if he does come back and gives his worth to Celtic. Yeah, not only that, you know, we've had I think the three main starters this year have been Welsh, Carter, Vickers and Starfelt. You know, Beaton's obviously played both at the back and defensive midfield. And yet, of all those four, Ralston is still our biggest threat from set pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, long may it continue, but a guy like Julian, I mean, the amount of headers that Julian scores, it's it's to- it's unbelievable. Um, so, if he can... Big just, games. Yeah, Big I mean, games it, as well. even if he can get you know, 10, 15 appearances, second half of the season, because I think, you know, he, he was in the Christmas ad and that was filmed a month ago and he was walking fine, but, you know, walking fine and playing centre-half for Celtic, it's quite a big gap. Um, so, you know, I think the manager said he was a couple of weeks away, but that was about two months ago. So hopefully someone asks someone about it soon. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think we'll be fine until the Alawa game on the twenty second of January. Um so if you can aim for then I think I'd be I'd be quite happy. Yeah, it would be nice to see him return before them. Um Robert <clears throat> Highlands came in in the comments. Good afternoon. He's saying to us that we need some height. We're still losing goals at set play. Um you know I, I would say, you know, in Staffield and, and Vickers, I thought Vickers at the in Sunday part it was absolutely immense once again. He's just really cool customer. You can always count him in to make that last challenge. I really do wonder where we'd be had we not got him in so late in the the window there in the summer. Um, and I, again, you know, we, we speak about Jota so much, but I think he's a really important player to, to get in in the pre-contract too because, uh, you know, sorry, not the pre-contract, the option to buy because he's been an absolute rock for us at the back and I think he definitely suits what Andrew's trying to do. But um, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. What's your thoughts on that? I think we are quite a wee team. I don't think, you know, you do need... You know, big seven, six foot ten giants in there, but I do think we need a wee bit of height in there, especially when it comes to to corner kicks, because something you know we spoke about on Thursday, and um, we've not got on to Leverkusen yet, was that that sticking point of the, the corner once again, and set pieces we we don't effectively probably use set pieces, especially corner kicks as much as we'd like to. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I think we'd be looking to overtake Hearts or get closer to Hearts in the table if we hadn't got Carter Vickers in on a loan. Uh, I don't think we'd be ahead of them because I think he's probably uh, saved us a couple of points this season. Um, I, I think he's probably our most important defender. You know, all of them have been impressive in their own ways. You know, um, Welsh looks like he can. He, he can. Uh, be up to standard most of the time playing against you know SPFL and European opposition uh, and then you know Starfield Carter Vickers really impressive Ralston came on to a game this season and you know Jovanovic is Jovanovic but yeah e- equally as important and probably five and a half million pounds cheaper than Jota so I can see us getting that one over the line pretty early in the summer hopefully because I think he's actually only 23-24 uh, but because of how physical he is, you, you just assume that the guy's 29, 30. But absolutely massive, uh, massively important for us and hopefully we sign him up. Yeah, I think we will miss him against Real Betis. I know it's, again, it isn't going to uh, mean a lot in terms of looking at the Europa League, but in terms of just, you know, a big game that I think we'd like to win. Um, we will miss him in that game. I was, you know, a bit gutted the night when he picked up that book and knew he would be out. But, um Rest for them might just do the world a good in that game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they'll come back to to play another big game against Motherwell. Um, Robert McEwen again has come in with the comment here to say Big Anchor mentioned Iran too. He sure did mention Iran too, and it's um, it's a fresh breath of fresh air. Pass that we are looking at different markets and you know starting to act like a proper football club and pick players out of countries <coughs> that they maybe you know 
wouldn't have went to before and you know putting that kind of snobbishness that I spoke about to one side and going in there because it has worked before you know if you look at guys like Victor Wanyama and other players you know it, it can work if you give somebody the chance to go and pick out the right player and if you've got your scouting systems right and your scouts are doing their jobs properly Yeah 100% um, you know I've actually not heard that. I didn't realise he mentioned Iran. Um, mm. It's certainly not a market I would have thought of. Um, you know, that speaks to the snobbishness that you, you mentioned there. Uh, you know, I can't comment on any Iranian players or the Iranian league, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, if it's, you know, safety-wise and all that, if we've got scouts there, then they're, they're looking at all the all the options, all the players. And I Probably cheaper than the Japanese market as well. You know, I know we get Japan's best player in Kyogo for three or four million pounds, but you can probably get Iran's best player for one or two million pounds, uh, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, it's just about maximising resources, you know, and there's a debate about whether six and a half million for Jota is maximising resources. I happen to think it is. I think you'd struggle to get a player of that quality for less than six and a half million. Uh, if we can, brilliant. But yeah, no. Looking forward to the January January window, and you know we've got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, we do have a lot of work to do. And just to clarify that one, in Jota, JJ Celtic's coming in to say if an EPL team offers say, seven or eight million for Jota, he might be away. Patrick, what is your understanding of this? Because my understanding is that Celtic have first refusal to to buy the player first before any clubs can get a. A sniff at him with the option to buy the fees actually already agreed if you want to carry on with the fee we have first refusal I think the only sticking point would be the actual player himself rather than any deal with the club is that how you understand it between Celtic and Benfica here? Yeah I mean obviously I don't think they can sell him to another team if we want to buy him but at the same time he can just refuse a contract at Celtic mm. one thing that is promising you know he's, he's obviously not came out and said that, oh yeah, I really want to sign permanently because, you know, players just don't do that. Uh, but he has ins- he has said that, you know, he's, he enjoys it. We're going as a team. Uh, they're all good friends in the dressing room. He's loving his football. And I think people need to remember as well, it's the first uh, top-level side that he's played for regularly. You know, I think it was uh, Valladolid last season. I think he only played 14 times and I don't know how many of those are starts. So, you know, you're you're talking about a 22 year old, 23 year old guy who's playing football regularly for the first time at the at the top level, and he's probably been wanting to do that for four or five years. And Celtic and Ange have given him the opportunity. So, not only that, you know, we're going to hopefully get competitive at a, a certain European level by next season as well. So, I think it would be an attractive. I think it was just about to say it would be an attractive proposition, which he sure would be. Um, but the understanding is that Jota, um, if Celtic wanted to to buy the player, then Celtic would have the first refusal on that. The only thing that could change about the actual deal is if Jota didn't want to come. I was just about to say that you were going to say it would be an attractive opposition there, Patrick. Um, we were talking about wingers, another winger, who is back in training, and we're being asked here by Stephen McDowell about this, is any news in Caramel Codembele. Um, obviously, we saw him featured Patrick early on pre-season and to get a horrific tackle in the game against Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was Palmer, the Scottish international at Dunham, and uh, he's been out ever since. Um, I know you're a fan. I think he's he's got something about him as well. We saw him featured you know, a very small part at the end of last season. Uh, he came on and scored a goal. I think that was against St. Johnson. He came on and scored for his last game at Celtic Park. Um, do you think there's a future for, for Karim Oakwood and Billy at Celtic? I think the contract is needing up. Um, one, do you think it would be a good idea to offer him a contract? And two, do you think Celtic will offer him a contract? Yes and yes. Uh, whether he signs it or not, I don't know. Because, you know, he's got something like 600,000 followers on Instagram. He's probably got, you know, he's featured for the England under-18s. He's probably got quite a a well-connected representative and a football agent. Um, so he's probably got offers from all around the world. No doubt every single Premier League team would probably take him uh, in their academy or sort of on their bench, you know. I don't doubt Brendan Rodgers has probably looked at him for Leicester as well. Um, but you know, I'd definitely offer him a contract because 
you know, the, the wages that we are play, we are paying Albina Yeti and Vasilis Barkas and, you know, all these other players that don't get a game year as well, signing up Karamoko Dembele on, you know, I don't know what he's earning, maybe 5000 a week or something. You know, it's I think it's well worth trying to keep him around as long as possible because even if he has one or two good seasons, maybe when he's 2021, 20, we can sell him for a, a big fee, you know. Um, there have been coaches come in in the comments here to say Strachan, Stain and Ange seems happy and I didn't really think last year I'd be having this conversation with you but um, supposedly um, I think it was Alan Nixon that, that put out the tweet there that Gavin Strachan was approached for the job at Hartlepool um, Jeff Sterling's side and uh, but that's, that's the only reason I know anything about Hartlepool oh, I'm the same mate, I'm honest, the same. because Jeff Sterling supports him and um, he's turned it down so yeah Bit of a strange one, Patrick, but he obviously, you know, started the Christmas ad with his laptop. Um, he's been called a very important part of what we do here. Um, yeah, Gavin's done at Celtic. Are you happy about that? Because, you know, I, I think all the conversations that we had last season seem to have went to the one side with Gavin Stacking and John Kennedy and the manager. Uh, seems to be quite happy with, with those two as well as Stephen McManus. Yeah, um, I wasn't uh, overjoyed when I found out that they were going to be Angie's backroom team, uh, I'll be honest. But he did make the point in his first press conference that these are guys who have been here for years, not striking obviously, but the rest of them been here for years and they've won a lot of trophies and had a lot of success with them. And they've worked under some pretty high quality managers as well, including the one they're working under just now. So why change a winning formula? Or, you know, on Gavin's tracking, I think people saw a form last season and then saw the laptop, put two and two together and get seven, you know. Uh, I don't think the laptop was ever the problem. I think it was, you know, the guys in charge. But, uh, yeah, relatively happy that he's staying, if not for the football, for the comedy factor alone. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know how, how big an influence he is, but it's working just now, so happy to keep him. Yeah, and... Uh... I think they've been called too spell, got a point here. You know, why would they let him go with the Christmas selection and so thing? Absolutely. Why would you let anybody go? So Gavin Strachan is not leaving Celtic. He's quite happy. Do you think that was one of his father's recommendations when he was in doing his, his wee stint there for a few months? I think that's over now, Patty, that we definitely keep a hold of, of Gav. I think that's just come to an end, hasn't it? Because mm. I think we beat Dundee 6 nothing in August and it was like the next day they announced that role. Um, so I think he's probably left a few weeks ago. Thank goodness. But yeah, yeah, keep my son would probably be a, a, a good recommendation, <laughs> you know. Do, do you think, um, actually, on that point, it's something we've not really spoken about a lot, but do you think that, you know, G- uh, Gordon, not Gavin, Gordon's had any influence in there? Obviously, we saw Anton McElhone uh, coming during that, that period there. Um, again, I don't think the football department since then has really been added to it at all. We've kept with the same three coaches. Michael Hone's only real development in there. Um, do, do you think he had any kind of hand in that or, or recommendation? And uh, in terms of you know looking forward to you know players, do you think he's he's had sit down conversations with fans to talk about the whole football department at the club, or was he just there as a go between between board and manager? He's probably had a quite a few conversations with Ange. You know whether he was responsible for Michael Hone, I think you said. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean. If his only influence was getting Lee Griffiths to join Dundee on loan, eh, I think he's done a, fin- a fantastic job. You know, eh, if that is his one contribution in this role, then I'm delighted with it. You know, get him back. Eh, but you know, he's probably left now. You know, there was no official announcement from the club on it. There was no official announcement from the club on Marklehone. You know, it's disappointing, in my opinion, eh, when these things don't get announced and it's not clear to the fans what's happening. But, you know, it's anyone's guess what the influence was. I think the consensus was that it was one of Dermot's mates and he was trying to exert more influence in the boardroom uh, and on the football department, which, you know, I'm not a fan of. I think you should just let Ange do what he's doing and back him, basically. Yeah, but we definitely should back him. And, you know, on that point with Gordon Stanton coming in, I think there was, a, there was a lot of worry about, you know, the actual appointment in. But again, I found a comment that really strange at the AGM at Celtic saying they like to just do their business behind closed doors and not out in the open. But I think, you know, as season ticket holders, both of us 
would like Celtic to be far more transparent with us and letting us know what's going on because, you know, I think from from bits of you know fan media pressers and stuff that McElhone has had an influence in that Celtic dressing room, and you know, for the past year and a good bit, Celtic have not had a lot of praise for many things, but you know they could have got a bit of clout and it was denouncing that because it was a position that we know desperately needed filled and it has been filled with somebody who seems to be doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah, and you know. <clears throat> You know, he worked at Tottenham and, you know, of the big six, Tottenham sort of get mocked for being this sort of pretend big team. But in this in, in the large context of world football, they're operating at an extremely high level. And if McElhone was good enough for them, then it is a bit of a coup for us, you know, whether people like it or not. Uh, and, you know, it's just, I think that's the, that's the regret with the Dominic Mackay. You know, he was meant to be this sort of new communications man and you know what happened with the football side of things and the business side of things we don't know but it's disappointing that the communication seems to have been back to back to the old ways again where we don't communicate properly with fans and you know announcing a sports scientist I don't think that's doing stuff in the open I think that's just you know sensible and we've seen with with Motherwell away we, we won 2-0 away to Motherwell in uh, the middle of October I think everyone was saying uh, after the game, how fit we looked, you know, going right up until the 90th minute. And that was only a few weeks after Michael Hone came in. Yeah, right. Speaking on fitness, we need to tackle that. Um, last Thursday evening, Bayer Leverkusen, we're winning the game, you know, we make the substitutions, we basically take off the full front three within four minutes, um, then go on to lose the game 3 2. In many ways, it paid dividends. We went to win the game on, on Sunday, and I thought when Personally, I thought on Sunday watching the game, Patrick, I know you agreed to me, that we looked like a team that had played Thursday evening, got back late, went to, to Bertie's funeral on, on Friday and not had a lot of time to actually train and uh, rest. Um, <coughs> in terms of the subs on Thursday, what was your thoughts on it? Because I think, you know, with the amount of games that we've got, we've got 10 games now uh, up until the, the break. I think from now on, we've played two of them. Or it's, it's 10 or 11 games, I think we 10 in December. Um We've got a massive amount of games. We don't have a lot of depth. Was he right to take off those players at that point in time? Or what was your thoughts on it? I don't think you can say anything other than no, because he took off those players and we conceded two goals and lost the game. You know How you can say that was the correct decision, I don't know. I mean, Ange, Ange knows better than me, the players' fitness, the players' quality, football tactics. But I, I it... It can't have been worse if we kept players on. I don't think we'd have lost four two if we kept those players on. Surely not. Um, you know the players that came on as well. I think it was a Yeti, a Bad, and Mikey Johnson with the front three. And the golfing quality you know, to me is just completely different. Aye, I mean, maybe a Bad made for a Bad and James Forrest, but for the other a Bad had a a good August. You know <laughs> the rest of them. You know. Ayeti hasn't had a good anything. Uh, Mikey Johnson had a good August 2019, you know. Uh, I, the guys just, whether it's, I, I, I don't know if they're not up to quality just now or they're not up to quality at all, but, you know, Ange has been here for five months now working with these players. And I think he's been working with people like Ayeti and Johnson from the start and he still can't get anything out of them. So, you know... I'm just not entirely sure it's going to work out for these players. And this is where the depth thing comes in. You know, if we were to compete at that level, and don't get it wrong, we, we've competed against Bayern Leverkusen in both games. The first game didn't seem like it, but we had our chances and we could have we could have got something, I think. Uh, as daft as that may sound, we lost 4 nothing. But I think we've been competitive in all four games. And if it wasn't for a lack of depth, I think we might have got through in the Europa League. Yeah, Bill, Paul's come in here in the comments saying we need to be able to rely on Jot and Kugel for 90 minutes. Leverkusen trusted big guns for 90 is why we raise players in easy league games. Is there an easy league game for you at this point in time, Patrick? Because certainly if you look at, you know, Bayer Leverkusen, you know, in Leverkusen in the first evening and then returning to play Aberdeen at home, um, you know, not a lot of time between both games. I think probably my perspective on it was it's okay to make those subs if you've got the, the depth to, you know, replace them. If you're going to maybe take off a jota and say my either does come in and that's the sub that you're making, it's, you know, eachy peachy. But at this point in time, what we've actually got there in terms of the quality and the gulf between both players, 
I just don't think we're, we're able to do it. And I can get why he did it, but I just don't think we, you know, he knows what he's got there that we can actually make those subs, especially taking the whole front three off in the space of four minutes. If you're maybe going to do that, it's maybe a case of spreading that out. But I think he was, you know, he was fairly um, self-aware of that after the game and saying that, you know, but we're not at this level yet. And I think the impact he expected them to have in the game just wasn't there for them. Yeah, I think the impact that he wanted was just sort of, you know, keep pressuring their defenders and don't make any mistakes and get back when you need to get back because there's only 15 minutes to go, you know. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, but no, you know, we, we just need more depth. And as Ange said, you need quality depth. You can't just have players that play a position, you know, because that's, that's what Ayete and Mikey Johnson are at the minute. You know, they might come onto a game, I don't know, but... They're definitely not good enough for where you want to be. You know, Mikey Johnson's playing games against Hearts, Rangers, Livingston and isn't up to scratch. And we want to be at a level where we're competing with Bayer Leverkusen. So it, players like that are, are well off it. Well off it, yeah. in my opinion. Um, you know, EGAC text came in here they said they've been a film watching Europe this season but we didn't really succeed um, that's my worry for the SPFL are we cynical enough and can we be better at say pieces you know Patrick I didn't think you know beating Aberdeen 2-1 was kind of in the hands mould either thought we were going to be really up there or down there but we, we are showing signs of a team that can grind out victories when you really need to I know obviously you know the game against Livingston is not one of those examples whole war away but you know as we progress a wee bit here, we are starting to show a wee bit. And again, one of the points I'd make about Leverkusen is that uh, Jack Amakis, I know we've not seen a lot in terms of him in front of goal, uh, free scoring, but in terms of, you know, like we came on against Ferenc Varos, say, I thought he held the ball up very well. And if we did look to do that in first, we did that job so much better than Albin and Yeti. Um, do you think we've got, you know, Got it in us to just kind of grind out games like that that we, we did on Sunday there that, that can, you know, eventually take you to a league title and win games 2 1 1 0. Say, well, that for Vince Havos came funnily enough, you know, we're 3 1 up and you know, I don't want to pick on them, but Mikey Johnson makes a mistake and it ends up being 3 2. You know, it is a good finish, uh, but as you say, Yakimakis, that that is one part of the game he's done really, really well so far, holding the ball up, winning fills. You know, for such a big guy, he wins some that of fills. Um, yeah, and yeah, we did do really, really well against Aberdeen to see out the game. You know, we spoke about Marco Hone and the fitness. That 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 plays a factor. Uh, Jovanovic clears that off the line. I'm not sure if that's 1-1 one, one or 2-1 he does that, but it's a, it's an important header either way. And, you know, they did have they, they did have a few half chances. You know, they got the ball up the park. Um, but no, it, it is important to see these games out because as dominant as we are, 2-1 isn't, it's a fine margin, you know, uh, it can change the course of your season if you concede one goal, so important that we held on. Paul's asking, and sorry, he's saying here that we've been grinding out games for a while now, relying too much on Jota, he thinks it's simultaneously worrying and encouraging, need to see some actual Ange ball again soon. Um, Patrick, Ange ball is free-flowing attacking football, it's aggressive pressing, it's, you know, being up in people's faces and and doing that, I think at times, or even we are grinding out games, there is signs of that. I mean, Kyogo, for instance, in that St. Johnson game, was constantly at Xander Clark, and that is what leads to, to the, the goal that, that James Forrest eventually gets. But, you know, I think, you know, personally, for this month, it's just all about this. So if we can get three points each game, I'm not going to look into it too much because I think we will add to the squad in January, and hopefully after a wee break, it might just be a completely different team once again. Yeah, um, you know, you were saying there about uh, the St. Johnson goal. That comes from pressing, winning a second ball, immediately attacking their goal. We cut back, lucky deflection, and Forrest has a half volley. You, you go away to Leverkusen, and if our second goal isn't free-flowing attacking football, I don't know what free-flowing free attacking football is, because that second goal is phenomenal. Uh, I think it, it may be goal of the season. Uh, and you know we even get Frimpong involved in it, which was just amazing from Beaton, the foresight there. Uh, and then of course our opening goal against Aberdeen, the, the chip over the top from Turnbull, the wee touch from McGregor, and the finish is phenomenal. So you know we can't do Ange ball for ninety minutes. You know we're, they're not machines; they're human beings, and they've played a lot of games already this season. 
but we are scoring good goals. We're holding on. We're getting three points. Um, and you know, December's always a tough month anyway. You know, it was obviously awful last year because of you know last year. But uh, we, we always pick up injuries. We always drop a couple of points, and I think you just need to scrape it out, really. Yeah, but we do need to scrape it out. And again, one of the comments coming in here is, you know, we do need to grind out these games and then win games we don't deserve to win uh, using set pieces and being more cynical. That's a game from AGSC Tech. Have you watched us in any games this season past week and probably thought, you know, we didn't deserve to win that, but we've got the win? Or would you say when we have grinded it out, we have, you know, thoroughly deserved to win the match? No. Uh, I, I think every game that we've won, we've deserved to win, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think the start can come out. The stats will probably reflect that. However, we have lost games that we didn't deserve to lose, so we'll need to, you know, these things balance themselves out, allegedly, in the course of a season, so we're going to end up winning games that we don't deserve to win, because I think we, we'll, we'll have to if uh, we want to win the league title. But, yeah, just need to keep on grinding out results, and if, if we can just grind out good results for December and then kick on playing Ange Ball, from January till May, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, I'll be more than happy as well because when it's at its best, it's really good to watch, by the way. Um, you know, again, coming in from AGSC Tech saying that Leverkusen didn't deserve to beat us. I, I don't think Joe Hart deserved to concede three goals the other night either. I thought he had a, a great performance and at times, you know, some of the Celtic players really, you know, Kyogo, Jota, a good few of the other boys just didn't deserve to even beat on and didn't deserve to be in the end there. A defeat, but it did because it happened because they call it their subs just higher than it was. It happens. They were missing five players on Thursday, Patrick. They are a very good side. They play in one of the best leagues in the world. To me, Thursday evening was a clear progress in eight weeks under Ange Postecoglou with a, a squad that you know was very similar to what he had in the first game. But <coughs> it is developing and it can only get better. And I think things will get better under Ange Postecoglou if the Celtic board give him the backing that he needs and he gets the time to, to work with his players properly. Yeah, I mean, the 4-0 home defeat, although he played well, was probably a low point in the season. That was probably when pe- people's doubt in Andrew was at its highest point, you know, and ever since then we've been absolutely phenomenal. Even when we lost on Thursday, we were phenomenal. Uh, you know, if only games finished on the 86th minute, would I get a 2-2 draw? Don't start to sound like the Aston Villa <laughs> manager now. <laughs> oh, well, uh, no, just, you know, looking forward to Hearts and Dundee United uh, because it's just another opportunity. Yeah, it's a massive opportunity, obviously, back to domestic games. Aberdeen was that first uh, league game that we, we'd go at, obviously, be the St. Johnson League Cup semi-final at the way, but getting back to SPFL games is important. Um, Ian McMillan's came in in the comments here to say we looked at our team on Sunday, relying too much on our better players. We need reinforcements of a better level than we currently have to win the league. I totally agree with you on that. I think you do as well, Patrick. As I said, Darren, I think that you know we looked like a team that had went toe-to-toe for a long period of time in Germany in the first day, then had went to Bertie's funeral on, on Friday, then returned probably for a very light training session on Saturday, then played the game on Sunday. Patrick, the break, you know, it's 10, 11 games away. How important is that going to be for Ange to get a couple of weeks for his players in the, the training ground properly? Because he'll, he'll have time with some of them when, you know, the likes of uh, Kyogo, McGregor, Turnbull go away in international duty, there'll be some of them left behind. But as a good part of that Celtic contingent go out and play in international, uh, go out and play for their countries. So how important do you think that wee two-week period could be and, you know, the rest of the season just getting in that training ground again and trying to reinforce all the basics that you're trying to do with this team? Yeah, I mean, we've been quiet on a sort of warm-weather holiday uh, or warm-weather training camp. Um it was more of a holiday last year, of course. I think it'll um, be uh, based in the UK this year. Yes, certainly. I don't think it'll be Dubai anyway. I think it'll be that'll be the last country they go to. Um, you know, I mean, it's obviously important to our season, and you know, travel restrictions have eased up since then. A lot of the, you know, at least the northern hemisphere of the world has been uh, vaccinated, uh, so you know that opens things up. Um, but I'm hoping that you know. I think the players all sort of get Angie's football and philosophy as it is anyway but you know spending more time with him in the training ground for two weeks won't won't hurt us at all no it definitely won't hurt us and uh, one of their comments here from Monty is Hart has been great for us good keeper I think he is a person that doesn't get as much credit he deserves 
when you think back to, you know, we were chopping and changing last season, went from uh, Barkey to Dubby's term from Neil Lennon to Scott Bain to then Connor Hazard, then it looked as if it was just getting drawn out a hat weekly. And uh, the, the goalkeeper yeah, was. Um, but I tell you something, seeing Sunday, see where it went down after that challenge, I was worried because, I've, you know, Scott Bain coming on just does not fill me with confidence <laughs> at this point in time. I'm sure you agree on that one. I thought you were going to make a comment about, you know, you feared for his health and safety, but no, uh, all about Scott Bain. No, obviously he wasn't moving for a while, so it was a bit of a concern. You know, it's always a worry when players go down and they sort of stay down, even when the medical team come over. Uh, but no, I think he would he would be a big risk. And that's actually, you know, we spoke about transfers earlier in the in the bulletin. That's actually an area where I would move everyone on. Um, you could maybe give Connor Hazard more time, but Bain and Barkas for me aren't good enough. Um, I couldn't tell you I've run in the team where I was impressed with Scott Bain, I'll be honest. Uh, Barkas speaks for for itself, you know. There were moments last season and then just about every game this season, he's been an absolute nightmare. And I think it might just be one of those players, it's like it's like Shane Duffy or something, or even Johansson in his second season. It, it just works at a different club. It just doesn't work here, you know, and that's it's unfortunate, but... It's especially unfortunate because it's a four and a half million pound mistake. But um, I think we need someone of heart's quality or slightly less to be on that bench because Scott Bain coming on, I think the full ground was a bit nervous at that prospect. Yeah, when he started warming up, I thought, oh, oh here we go again. But thankfully not, and Joe Hart was okay. Um, that gives us a good link to, to Thursday evening. Um, our former goalkeeper is, of course, the heart of the Lovian captain and Craig Gordon. Um, Hearts, Patrick, um, one two nil the weekend against uh, St. Mun. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they got a really good result against Dundee United to you know put themselves just a wee bit ahead of the curve of them. Um, they sit third just now. Hearts, they are two points behind us. They have played a game more. We of course do have the superior goal difference. Um, what is your, what is your thoughts been on Hearts so far this season? Of course, we we've played them twice. First game was the the Oakland Day. I think we're a long way away from that game at Tynecastle, and then we played them in the League Cup at Celtic Park and they did come into the game a wee bit more but um, this is a big game to really lay down a mark and this is going to be a real good test for, for Celtic I think on Thursday and again the players are going to have a wee decent break I know it's only three days before they play again but that is a break I think to some of the Celtic yeah. players uh, Yeah it was it perplexed me why it was a Thursday but I think it will work out in our favour but um, yeah I mean I think we can go I think if Dundee United win tonight we go five cleave of hearts well, if we win and Dundee United win, we'll go five clear of hearts, four clear of Dundee United with a game in hand, which would be pretty good going. Um, and as you say, I think it's I think it's actually... I, people at Celtic won't talk about it like this, but I think it is a chance for a bit of revenge because at Tynecastle, I think we were the better team. Uh, we scored a goal that should have made it 2-1, but uh, the referee decided to rule it out for unknown reasons. Uh, he also chose not to send off Andy Halliday for what is the most blatant of red card challenges on Callum McGregor I think he'd ever see. So in terms of the game at Tynecastle, we're due, we're due beating them in the league. And then at Celtic Park, I thought they got away with one. Um, it finished 3-2, it should have finished about 8-2 uh, because we absolutely scalped them. So... We're due beating someone by a few goals and we're due beating Hearts by a few goals as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to the opportunity to do that on Thursday. Yeah, I think you know, we'd probably prefer as well to sit Celtic Park and not Time Castle as though, even though I would still be confident going there. Um, it's happily Thursday that, Time Castle as well. Yeah, but I'm just going to say, obviously that big run of fixtures that we had very early on was difficult. We were going to these grounds and we, you know, now it's kind of our turn to get the, the games at home and I think, you know, with the crowd behind us and just really going at teams, there's certainly uh, optimism there that, you know, we can just really gather momentum through this month and, you know, put a really good run of form together and see where we are come the 2nd of January. Obviously, Hearts Patrick, they've not been as consistent as they as they were. Start of the season, um, I think they get beat at first Park 2-0 the other week. Um, it's a bit of a surprise result, but, you know, Robin Nielsen certainly got them playing some good football. They only just came back into the league last year they've certainly probably at the 
in a place where they'd be happy to to remain for the rest of the season and further their their derby rival uh, derby rivals were you know finish the season off and um how do you think they'll come to Celtic Park will, will they sit in pack in or do you think they might have a go at as obviously they've got boys up there that can can cause problems or you know will they be a bit like Aberdeen and try and put the boot in very early on I think they'll um, <clears throat> I think they'll put the boot in over the ninety minutes to be honest um, I think they'll probably take inspiration from St Johnston and Livingston. You know, St Johnston, although it might not seem that way to us, probably thought themselves unlucky eh, to lose 2-0 back in October. Livingston obviously got the result, 0-0. That was our fault, though, because we missed the penalty. Um, but, you know, they're, you can use the word physical. They got away with several fouls, is how I see it. Um, Livingston did as well. Eh, so I think if it's another sort of lenient refereeing performance, we could say, um, I think that's what Hearts will set out to do. Um, and, you know, if we are on our game, it won't work because we've got too much quality, but it's all about how we play. Yeah, and again, I don't think, I think I'm right in saying Jota's not played against Hearts um, this season at all because when no. we played them in the League Cup, Edward was up in front and Jota came in just after uh, Vickers as well. left. And I don't think that's another one that's not played against them. So I'll still see a couple of players play against them. Rogic, Patrick, to me, is going to be a massive boost coming back in in first evening too. Um, he should definitely be back in. I know he wasn't in the bench on Saturday, sorry, Sunday. But Rogic coming back in, I think at times, I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of the time, Kyogo's still making absolutely sensational runs and you know stretching defences, but we just don't have that wee cutting edge just to play that ball through and even Beaton coming back in for games like this could be you know, a big player because I thought again on a last Thursday when he came off that was one of the points when the game changed to I thought it was absolutely outstanding in Leverkusen Yeah um, I don't know if both of them will be starting the game uh, because you know he might give Turnbull a rest uh, he might stick with McCarthy it's hard to tell but I think you've got to be going with McGregor, Turnbull and Rogic, if if all three are fit and available to start, I think that's that's the team you have to go with, because you know they're they're going to be physical anyway. You know, Beaton has a has the capacity to be riled up in games like this. You know, eh, make a stupid foul and stuff. But no, I think you've got to go with your best eleven and just you know Ange Ball trying to outscore the opposition. Um, yeah, I think Beaton would probably actually suit this game, but again, as you say, as a risk, probably bringing you know two players that just returning injury, returning from injury back in. Um, you mentioned James McCarthy. What was your thoughts on his his game on Saturday? He played a really lovely ball through that led to the second goal. But one of the moments that amused me quite a bit was you know we were, everybody was shooting for the team to go forward, and he played a pass to the side and was going to calm down. Um, <laughs> I think you know. Going on that on Sunday, I think if he's going to you know, grow a wee bit into the, the, the jersey in terms of game time, you know, it could be an important player for us going forward, especially if he's going to put those wee cutting-edge ball passes through. I'm sure Kyogo for the hash, he would be happy with a ball like that uh, any day of the week. Well, he played it through to Jota against Wraith Rovers, didn't he? It was an identical ball, you know. Unfortunately, Abada couldn't finish it, but McGregor got his backside to it um, from the Clevance. Uh, no, it was a good ball, and you know, Lawrence has spoken about it quite a bit, in fairness. You know, that he, he played in a, as an attacking midfielder in his youth. And he's obviously still got that in him to play those balls because it, it's, it's it's one of the ones that you don't always see it until it's played. And credit to him for seeing it. Um, I actually thought Abada was offside, but uh, it was, he was well on in the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's got three and a half years on his contract, so he's got plenty of time to feature. You know, there's no rush from a sort of, you know, like a Mikey Johnson of an Albion and a Yeti. He doesn't need to stake a claim in the team. He's got plenty of time. You know, he's probably not... He could well retire at the end of this contract. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he does a job. Yep. We'll see what happens to James McCarthy. Thanks to everybody that's came in in the comments as per usual today. I know it was only the two of us. Lawrence should hopefully be, be joining us next week, but we'll see what happens. Celtic transfer-wise, whether Hatate will be in um, in January, whether Maeda will be in. Other players we might be linked with this month. I forgot to say at the start of the show, happy St Andrew's Day to every one of everybody listening in. And uh, also, happy birthday to my friend Matt McGlone, who's celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday to Matt if he's tuning in. 
thanks everybody for, for tuning in today. Your support is always welcome. You'll probably see our charity weekender is very slowly upon us. Um, if you look at, at Axon Pod on Twitter or at Paul John Dykes Twitter, you'll see all of our guests that will be joining us this week. Um, hopefully you can tune into that. We'll raise a few quid for charity. But um, thanks everybody for joining us and thank you for listening to and watching A Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.